Remember that? Remember when we used to do that? Do what? The whistle? The, the, the Chip and Eric song. <laughs> I do. Yeah. Yeah, we need to bring that back. Bringing it back. Bring Probably it back. not, though. But welcome back. We're bringing all of you back. Welcome back. Back to the book of Daniel. Yes. Here we are in Babylon. This is it. Day 260, Eric. Day 260. Do you believe that? I Only because I can see it in writing. Yeah. Yeah. Day 260. Unreal. So yesterday we read a lot about the end times. Mm-hmm. And today we're going to pick up. We're going to continue with another vision from Daniel. And yeah, Daniel chapter 10. We're going to read 10, 11, and 12 today. Daniel's vision of a messenger. In the third year of the reign of King Cyrus of Persia, Daniel, also known as Belteshazzar, had another vision. He, he understood that the vision concerned events certain to happen in the future, times of war, and great hardship. When this vision came to me, I, Daniel, had been in mourning for three whole weeks. All that time, I'd eaten no rich food, no meat or wine crossed my lips, and I used no fragrant lotions until those three weeks had passed. I am on a long streak of no fragrant, fragrant lotions as I can, well. I can tell. Yeah. Yes. It's <laughs> obvious. On April 23rd, as I was standing on the bank of the Great Tigris River, I looked up and saw a man dressed in linen clothing with a belt of pure gold around his waist. Wow. His body looked like a precious gem. His face flashed like lightning, and his eyes flamed like torches. His arms and feet shone like polished bronze, and his voice roared like a vast multitude of people. Only I, Daniel, saw this vision. The men with me saw nothing. But they were suddenly terrified and ran away to hide. So I was left there all alone to see this amazing vision. My strength left me, my face grew deathly pale, and I felt very weak. Then I heard the man speak, and when I heard the sound of his voice, I fainted and lay there with my face to the ground. Just then a hand touched me and lifted me, still trembling, to my hands and knees. And the man said to me, Daniel, you are very precious to God, so listen carefully to what I have to say to you. Stand up, for I have been sent to you. When he said this to me, I stood up, still trembling. Then he said, Don't be afraid, Daniel, since the first day you began to pray for your understanding, to humble yourself before your God. Your request has been heard in heaven. I have come to answer your prayer. But for 21 days, the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia blocked my way. Then Michael, one of the archangels, he came to me, and I left him there with the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia. Now I'm here to explain what will happen to your people in the future, for this vision concerns a time yet to come. While he was speaking to me, I looked down at the ground, unable to say a word. Then the one who looked like a man touched my lips and opened my mouth and began to speak. I said to the one... I said to the one standing in front of me, I am filled with anguish because of the vision I have seen, my Lord, and I am very weak. How can someone like me, your servant, talk to you, my Lord? My strength is gone. I can hardly breathe. Then the one who looked like a man touched me again. I felt my strength returning. Don't be afraid, he said, for you are very precious to God. Peace, be encouraged, be strong. And as he spoke these words to me, I suddenly felt stronger and said to him, Please speak to me, my Lord, for you have strengthened me. He replied, Do you know why I have come? Soon I must return to fight against the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia, and after that the spirit prince of the kingdom of Greece will come. Meanwhile, I'll tell you what is written in the book of truth. No one helps me against these spirit princes except Michael, your spirit prince. I have been standing beside Michael to support and strengthen him since the first year of the reign of Darius the Mede. Daniel chapter 11, Kings of the South and North. Now then, I will reveal the truth to you. Three more Persian kings will reign to be succeeded by a fourth far richer than the others. He will use his wealth to stir up everyone to fight against the kingdom of Greece. Then a mighty king will rise to power who will rule with great authority and accomplish everything he set out to do. But at the height of power, his kingdom will be broken apart and divided into four parts. 
It will not be ruled by the king's descendants, not, nor the kingdom hold the authority it once had. For his empire will be uprooted and given to others. The king of the south will increase in power, but one of his own officials will become more powerful than he and will rule his kingdom with great strength. Seven years later, an alliance will be formed between the king of the north and the king of the south. The daughter of the king of the south will be given in marriage to the king of the north to secure an alliance. But she'll lose her influence over him, and soon so will her father. She will be abandoned along with her supporters. But when one of her relatives becomes kings of the south, he will raise an army and enter the fortress of the kings of the north and defeat him. When he returns to Egypt, he'll carry back the idols with him, along with priceless articles of gold and silver. For some years afterward, he will leave the king of the north alone. Later, the king of the north will invade the realm of the king of the south, but will soon return to his own land. However, the sons of the king of the north will assemble a mighty army that will advance like a flood and carry the battle as far as the enemy's fortress. Then, in a range, the king of the south will rally against the vast forces assembled by the king of the north and will defeat them. After the enemy army is swept away, the king of the south will be filled with pride and will, be ex will execute many thousands of his enemies. But his success will be short-lived. A few years later, the king of the north will return with a fully equipped army far greater than before. At that time, there will be a general uprising against the king of the south. Violent men among your own people will join them in fulfillment of this vision, but they will not succeed. Then the king of the north will come and lay siege to a fortified city and capture it. The best troops of the south will not be able to stand in, in the face of the onslaught. The king of the north will march onward unopposed. None will be able to stop him. He'll pause in the glorious land of Israel, intent on destroying it. He will make its plans to come with the might of his entire kingdom and will form an alliance with the king of the south. He will give him a daughter in marriage in order to overthrow the kingdom from within. But his plan will fail. After this, he will turn his attention to the coastland and conquer many cities. But a commander from another land will put an end to his insolence and cause him to retreat in shame. He will take refuge in his own fortresses, but will stumble and fall and be seen no more. His successor will send out a tax collector to maintain the royal splendor. But after a very brief reign, he will die, though not from anger or in battle. The next to come to power will be a despicable man who is not in line for royal succession. He will slip in when least expected and take over the kingdom by flattery and intrigue. Before him, great armies will be swept away, including a covenant prince. With deceitful promises, he will make various alliances. He will become strong despite having only a handful of followers. Without warning, he will enter the richest areas of the land. Then he will distribute among his followers the plunder of wealth of the rich, the plunder and wealth of the rich, something his predecessors had never done. He will plot to overthrow the strongholds, but this will last only for a short while. Then he'll stir up the courage and raise a great army against the king of the south. The king of the south will go to battle with a mighty army, but to no avail, for there will be plots against him. His own household will cause his downfall. His army will be swept away and many will be killed. Seeking nothing but each other's harm, these kings will plot against each other at the conference table, except attempting to deceive each other. But it will make no difference, for the end will come at the appointed time. The king of the north will then return home with great riches. On the way, he will set himself against the people of the Holy Covenant, doing much damage before continuing his journey. Then at the appointed time, he will once again invade the south, but this time the result will be different. For warships from the western coastlands will scare him off, and he'll withdraw and return home. But he'll vent his anger against the people of the Holy Covenant and reward those who forsake the covenant. His army will take over the temple fortress, pollute the sanctuary, and put a stop to the daily sacrifices and set up the sacrilegious object that causes desecration. 
He will flatter and win over those who have violated the covenant. But the people who know their God will be strong and will resist him. Wise leaders will give instructions to many, but these teachers will die by fire and sword, or they will be jailed and robbed. During these persecutions, little help will arrive, and many who join them will not be sincere. And some of the wise will fall victim to persecution. In this way, they will be refined and cleansed and made pure until the time of the end, for the appointed time is still to come. The king will do as he pleases, exalting himself and claiming to be greater than every god, even blaspheming blaspheming the god of gods. He will succeed, but only until the time of wrath is completed, for what has been determined will surely take place. He will have no respect for the gods of his ancestors, or for the god loved by women, or for any other god, for he will boast that he is greater than them all. Instead of these, he will worship the god of fortresses, a god of his a god his ancestors never knew, and lavish on him gold, silver, precious stones, and expensive gifts. Claiming this foreign god's help, he will attack the strongest forces. He will honor those who submit to him, appointing them to positions of authority and dividing the land among them as their reward. Then at that time of the end, the king of the south will attack the king of the north. The king of the north will storm out with chariots, charioteers, and a vast navy. He will invade various lands and sweep through them like a flood. He will enter the glorious land of Israel, and many nations will fall. But Moab, Edom, and the best part of Ammon will escape. He will conquer many countries, even Egypt will not escape. He will gain control over the gold, silver, treasures of Egypt, and the Libyans and the Ethiopians will be his servants. But then news from the east and the north will alarm him, and he will set out in anger to destroy and obliterate many. He will stop between the glorious holy mountain and sea, and will pitch his royal tents. But while he is there, his time will suddenly run out, and no one will help him. Daniel chapter 12, the time of the end. At that time, Michael, the archangel, who stands guard over your nation, will arise. Then there will be a time of anguish greater than any since nations first came into existence. But at that time, every one of your people whose name is written in the book will be rescued. Many of those whose bodies lie dead and buried will rise up, some to everlasting life, some to shame and everlasting disgrace. Those who are wise will shine as bright as the sky, and those who lead uh, many to righteousness will shine like stars forever. But you, Daniel, keep this prophecy a secret. Seal up the book until the time of the end, when many will rush here and there, and knowledge will increase. Then I, Daniel, looked and saw two others standing on opposite banks of the river. One of them asked the man dressed in linen, who was now standing above the river, How long will it be until these shocking events are over? The man dressed in linen, who was standing above the river, raised both his hands toward heaven and took a solemn oath by the one who lives forever, saying, It will go on for its time, times, and half a time. When the shattering of the holy people has finally come to an end, all these things will have happened. I heard what he said, but I did not understand what he meant. So I asked, how long will, how will all this finally end, my Lord? But he said, go now, Daniel, for what I have said is kept secret and sealed until the time of the end. Many will be purified, cleansed, and refined by these trials, but the wicked will continue in their wickedness, and none of them will understand. Only those who are wise will know what it means. From the time the daily sacrifice is stopped and the sacrilegious object that causes desecration is set up to be worshipped, there will be 1,290 days. And blessed are those who wait and remain until the end of the 1,335 days. As for you, go your way until the end. You will rest, and then at the end of the days, you will rise again to receive the inheritance set aside for you. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's the end of the book of Daniel. That's it. Got the end done. Wow, another book. Another book. book. In the books. Pretty cool.
But. But. So what? So what? What does this mean? Yeah, a lot of prophecy here and stuff. What do you make of this? Um, I just kind of focus in on the statement, but the people who know their God will be strong and will resist him. So resist the evil one. Um, and so, you know, it's... This is tricky because I talk to many people who who know God. They say they know God. So I've come to discover that they re- they know about God, mm-hmm. and and they don't really know God because to know God is you know it's it's much deeper. And if you really know God, it changes you. You know, it changes your your destination. It changes your your day to day life application, your sanctification, and and you know it, it really it's also a part of you know the, the glorification process and the inner it, like it changes you. So uh, you know I think you know there's a lot of people that think they know God, mm-hmm. and and they don't really know God. So what's cool is that we can know God at a, at a deeper level, right? Many different ways, and it starts uh, with a relationship with him through faith in Jesus Christ, his son who came to give his life for us. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure Eric's going to find Jesus here in, in a moment, but um, th- that's where it starts. And then it's just to stay in day out that people who begin to know God at a deeper level. And what's really cool is that I think so many times we look at, we look at people, we look at people that go to church and we look at their behavior and, and we, we get involved in behavior modification and I think it's much deeper than that. I think that if they truly knew God at a deeper level, they would begin to change their behavior because they understand who the, who God is and what he's, what he's about, what he wants. And so the people here that's referred to uh, are the people who know their God. And because of that, they're going to be strong and they'll resist him. That's evil. And so I think that if we truly know God, we are going to resist evil. So how do you know God? Well, you believe in Jesus, you start that relationship, you allow God, the Holy Spirit, who now enters into your life forever, seals the deal between you and God to really guide you, lead you, help you, convict you, and work you through the book we're reading through that will help you understand teaching so that you can then make changes in your life based upon what you now know of God and who he is and what he expects. And it can really radically change you in every area of your life if you do that so the challenge is really know god not just know about him i love that and i think the closer you are to god the the more addictive the results become true like when you start to see personal holiness coming through in your life and never perfection right but when you start to see personal holiness come through your life because you've been reading the bible for 260 days yeah good job straight you know like uh oh yeah you know, when we when we get to that point and we start to say, like, I understand who God is and what his plan for my life is so much more than I did 260 days ago or a year and a half ago or however long ago. Um, and when you start to pray and you start to see that God uses prayer in your life, you yeah. know, that starts to change. things. You get addicted to the person you're becoming because you're becoming more human than you've ever been before. You're living out your humanity the way that it was first intended in the Garden of Eden. And so the more like Christ we become, the more fulfilling our life is, and then the more we want to do those things over and over again. Yeah. 
So where's Jesus in this? I love, I love Daniel 12 talking about this, this resurrection of the dead. I mean, that's it. That's what we're waiting for. Yeah. That is what we're waiting for. The resurrection of the dead. Sadly, some to judgment, but based on decisions that they've made in their life, people will be resurrected to judgment. But those of us that have claimed Christ, we're resurrected to reward, which goes deep into what you were saying too, Chip, that you know, living a godly life in itself is its own reward, yeah. but we also get resurrected yeah. into eternal, everlasting life. And, it's uh, true. and so, yeah, so that's pretty exciting, you know, and I think if you can invest in eternal things for no other reason, invest in them because they have eternal rewards, yeah. you know, so, and that day, yeah, point. that closes out the book of Daniel. Pretty okay. amazing. Yeah. So well, thank you guys for joining us today. Thank you so much. Oh, I guess I should say the resurrection of the dead happens when Christ reads the book of life, right? So yeah, yeah. So that's where Jesus is. I guess I just got excited yeah, and did yeah. skip that part, but yeah, no, that's uh, good. yeah, yeah. So there you have it. And thank you guys for joining us. Uh, listen, we're almost to the New Testament. Wow, we are almost we are getting there, man. We, less than two weeks. That's crazy. Invite man. your friends. Can you believe that. Invite your friends to be part of our New Testament yeah. reading and. Um, yeah, I'm very excited. I can't wait. Yeah, so good. It's going to be super cool. So tomorrow we're going to jump back into the narrative, which picks up with Ezra and the return from exile. So I hope you're there. Okay. Bye-bye.